0: Is digital Marketer. Today, it's Savannah Sanchez. Hello, and welcome to the Digital Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Snavely, and today we are talking social media advertising. I left it a little general because we talk about a little bit of everything today. Savannah Sanchez is an e commerce advertising expert. She's worked with brands like Snow Teeth Whitening. Kula Sunscreen, ColourPop Cosmetics, and personally managed over $10 million in ad spend across Facebook, Snapchat, and Google Ads. We talk a little bit about Facebook, a little bit about Instagram, a lot of bit about Snapchat, and we even get into working with micro-influencers. And overall, this episode is packed with goodies, so whether you're in the e-com world or TikTok curious, there's going to be something for you here. Enjoy! Yay, Savannah. I'm so excited. Well, one, I really want to talk about Snapchat because I saw that you do that, but I also want to talk about Facebook ads and I also want to talk about Google ads. And I also want to talk about AI. There's just so much that you do and that you're an expert on. So 2020, things are a little different than they've maybe been and they get different you know, every month, every year as Privacy laws get a little tighter. People get a little more like annoyed with, you know, ads in their their feed. What are some of the trends you're seeing in customer behavior on these ad platforms? And also, like, how are you keeping up to date, keeping things fresh and relevant?
1: So I think that 2020 is the best time for brands right now that are advertising on paid social, which is Not necessarily what all people are saying, because a lot of people say like, oh, like ad expenses are so high, CPMs keep rising, competition keeps rising. But for brands who are truly coming out with great creative content and providing a good customer experience, there's really never been a better time to advertise on these social platforms. And just the way that these platforms have evolved, it's becoming much easier in terms of the ad tech side for brands to come in and succeed on um, Facebook, Snapchat, Google, with all the automation tools and creative testing tools that are available. But it's also weeding out all the drop chipper type people. So the people who used to just hack their way to ad success, Mm. that's really not the name of the game anymore. Now it's about how can we find creatives and great products that are going to provide the best customer experience? Because at the end of the day, that's what every ad platform wants. Facebook, Snapchat... They want users to stay on those platforms and to spend more time on there. And the best way to do that is by serving them relevant ads that are entertaining and inspiring and novel. So brands that are investing in great creative and can provide a really great customer experience, they're actually seeing a lot more success as of even the last six months on these platforms because these platforms are really catering those brands that can provide a great experience for the end user.
0: Yeah. How are you
1: using some of the AI? So about 12 months ago, Facebook came out with a new way of media buying, and it's called the Power Five. And so what the Power Five consists of is CBO, which is Campaign Budget Optimization, where Facebook will actually choose which audience to put the most budget towards on a daily basis which is alleviating a lot of the manual work that media buyers had to do in the past of switching budgets, testing a bunch of new audiences. So that's been a major development just in the last 12 months. But then on a broader scale, things like utilizing broader audiences, so not having so many niche target audiences, but rather utilizing broad interest-based audiences and lookalikes, as well as automatic placements, letting Facebook choose where to serve your ad, whether it's on Instagram story or audience network or feed. All of these automation tools have really helped alleviate the manual work that media buyers had to do in the past. So now people like me, we can focus most of our attention on creative testing. And also going on the AI train is dynamic creative testing, which Hmm. is a new tool also released where you can upload multiple video variations, image variations, text, and Facebook will dynamically test all those different combinations against each other and tell you what the winner is. And that's just been huge to get great creative testing results.
0: That's super powerful. I kind of want to dig into that for a little bit. When it comes to testing and video testing, especially, what are the elements that you recommend marketers test?
1: So, when it comes to video, especially in the last few months, I've really seen a trend of user generated content really taking the forefront. So, the type of ads I've seen work the best is where it's really native feeling. So, whether it's like films on an iPhone or it seems like it's something that would be natural to your feed, like something that your friend posts or a story that your friend would share. So, that's something that a lot of brands have been leveraging lately, is kind of like a more Um, grainy feel to it like not so high produced which is actually really great news for brands and advertisers because that type of content is often way less time intensive to produce but also much lower cost
0: when it comes to this kind of content is it is it totally like value-based top of funnel content or is it also like literal sales videos
1: I would say it's a mix of both. I mean, we definitely use user-generated content and people with the product filming it on their iPhone at the top of the funnel, but we've also seen it work really well at the bottom of the funnel. So if someone's on the website and they haven't purchased yet, then what often what they need is just more validation. So showing real people using the product, talking about the value props, why they love using it is going to be that extra nudge people need in order to purchase oftentimes.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So it says here you have done almost like over a hundred million in spend (laughs) in just a year. What are some of the things you've learned in doing that?
1: One thing that I learned in particular last year was just the power of stories. And so stories being both Instagram stories and Snapchat stories. So these are both still relatively new ad platforms that not a lot of brands have developed the right creatives for, or really divulged into like the art of like 10-second storytelling and like that vertical format. So the brands that I saw succeed the most last year were the ones that really nailed the story placement. So 10 second vertical video. And I think what the major shift was, was when people would do Facebook advertising in the past, they would have these brand videos and these long form videos diving into the value props of the product and telling the brand story. But now what I've been seeing is that for ad creatives, it's really about just driving that initial interest. So something that's thumb stopping, looks native to the platform, but gets attention enough for someone to want to go to the site and learn more. And then once they're on the landing page is when you really dive into the value props and why someone should buy. But you don't have to do that all in the ad anymore. Now mm-hmm. the ad is more about how can I get attention really quickly? People are just going through these stories nonstop and you really only have two seconds to capture attention. Yeah, So it's definitely an art, this like 10 second storytelling that the brands that are investing into that type of creative are really seeing the returns from it.
0: Is that just for Snapchat or is that Facebook as well?
1: It'll also be for Instagram stories, Instagram stories too, Snapchat stories, but also TikTok. That one's going to be huge in twenty twenty. That brands are going to have to develop specific creatives for.
0: Yeah, so when you're working with brands, there's a lot of fear. I think of these new platforms. Like, I think even you know with Snapchat, (laughs) because that's it's not new, (laughs) but a lot of marketers maybe feel a little uncomfortable with it. So. What are some ways you recommend someone like jump in for the first time? And what are some ways you think people who've already been on it for a while can maybe keep it
1: fresh? So I think Snapchat in particular is really interesting. And that's one that I've been urging a lot of my clients to explore. And so the reason why I really like Snapchat is just because the CPMs are so much cheaper. Hmm. But it really is for like that 13 to 25 year old demographic. So it is important that your product does fit that demo. Mm -hmm. But in terms of getting started, like I would say the best thing to do is just to put the pixel on your website. And I found that the ad manager on Snapchat is actually a lot more intuitive than Facebook. It almost seems like it's like a dumbed down version of Facebook (laughs) ad manager, which is nice. It's great for new advertisers. And because it's a smaller platform, and I'm sure TikTok will be the same once they start allowing more advertisers is that you get really great support from the reps. So my Snapchat rep walks me through every step, checks in with me on my campaigns, And just because they don't have nearly the volume of advertisers as Facebook has, so they're able to provide more one-on-one attention, which has been a huge benefit for me when I was starting to learn the Snapchat platform mm-hmm. last year. The AI too
0: on on Facebook, I'm wondering when it comes to scaling,
1: how do you go about... Thinking about that. So, I think as brands scale, especially to like $50,000, $100,000 in spend per month on some of the accounts I work on, AI becomes a major part of the strategy. So, it really is relying on Facebook to deliver your creatives to the right person. It's not so much about me manually picking the audience of, oh, I need to show my ad to a person in California who's 25 years old and interested in X. That's not the way it's really done anymore. Now, what Facebook is doing is it scans your creative, it gets the data from your pixel from the people who are in- interacting with your ads, purchasing from your website, and then serving that ad to people who they think are most similar to your existing purchasers. And then it continues to learn on that creative in terms of how long are people watching the videos for? How long are they interacting on your website? How does your ad creative rank against your competitors? So it's using all of this machine That's learning so much. in the background. Yeah, it's insane. Like All of the machine learning that goes into it, where it's essentially to the point now where you give Facebook a broad demographic. So I'm interested in serving my ads to females in the United States, upload your creative variations, and you're really relying on Facebook to find the best people in that audience to serve your ad to, as opposed to me manually choosing. Mm -hmm. I would say that's the biggest difference I've seen.
0: Yeah. Do you find that you miss like making creative that calls out to a very specific type of audience, or do you find it's easier to hook people with kind of a generalized
1: creative? I would say it's definitely getting more generalized, especially for products with mass appeal. That's where I'm seeing the most scale. Mm-hmm. So for instance, like one of the products I'm advertising is phone cases. So it's, it's a product that really anyone can use, male, yeah. female, any age range. So, that's really where scale comes from on Facebook. And the broader the audience you use, it's also the cheaper the CPM. So, it's really testing a lot of different creative types within a broad audience in order to find new customers. That's what I've seen to be the best strategy.
0: So, digging in a little bit to the phone case idea, just kind of sticking with that for a minute. What are some ways you can create content that? is, like, user-generated or seems more native about phone cases. I'm sure there's people listening who are, like, um, like you just have people using it or, <laughs> like, testimonials about how great they love their phone case. Like, how do you kind of think of the creative when it comes to making things more native with it was such a general kind of product?
1: So when I launch a new product on Facebook, what I try to do is develop something I call a toolkit. So what that is, is utilizing a variety of different creative types, first to see what's going to work the best and then reiterate off of that. So for a product that is so general, like phone cases, what I'll do is I'll launch carousels, value prop videos, where value prop videos are like showing like the different angles of the phone case and text flying through or the value props, PR videos the user generated content, IG stories. It's really about going wide with the testing because you never know what is going to resonate. And for each brand I work with, it's usually a different creative type that works. Hmm. So you, you can't really know till you start testing. So I would say the best way to go about it is start by testing a lot of different types of creatives in terms of styles and formats. And then once you find a winner, so if you're like, oh, like the PR style video, like showing the case with different PR quotes is what's working. Then you can kind of narrow down from there, test more PR. So yeah, starting broad and then getting more narrow with the creative testing. Right. I mean,
0: it sounds so simple, you know, like it sounds so much easier than what it used to be. What kind of hobbies have you invested in with all the time you have back? (laughs)
1: I love that you said that because that's something when I worked at the ad agency, my biggest motto last year was get your weekends back. I was like, (laughs) stop touching your ad account so much. Like let Facebook like get the learning phase, use its machine learning to your advantage. The more human intervention into the ad account, the worse performance (laughs) That's usually how it goes. So I would always tell media buyers, like, get your weekends back. Like do not touch the ad account this whole weekend. Like. Facebook knows more than you do, like that's rely so on their data.
0: Yeah, that's so funny. It's just totally changing, like the way that we do marketing, the way that we talk to an audience, you know, or you're able to do so much more. And with the testing, I mean, it brings a whole new level
1: of it. How long has that been available? The dynamic creative testing has been available for about a year now. Mm-hmm. I would say it's really in the last three months where I've seen a lot of advertisers start taking advantage of it. And something that I love doing, which is also pretty new, is the ad libraries. Have you explored some of those? Like looking into other brands' oh, ad libraries? Oh, you can click on the,
0: yeah, yeah, that's cool.
1: Yeah, I absolutely love that because what I'll do is I'll just search for competitors or other big brands in the space that I know do great ads and just draw inspiration from them each week. Like, oh, like they did this video with this text this way, and then they shot to this image. And pulling inspiration from these other brands has just been really helpful, because then I can be like, oh, I want to try this style or that style, or this is working for them, because they've been running this for a while. So I think the ad library has also brought so much transparency, but Mm -hmm. also it's given advertisers so many new ideas, too. Like, oh, we should try this.
0: Yeah. What are some creative ideas that you've been able to swipe that you can maybe
1: give to our listeners? I actually started a Facebook group. It's called Facebook ads, creatives only. Cool. So if anyone wants to join that, that's a free open group. And literally it's only people sharing ads that they love and why they love it. So that's that's awesome. (laughs) It's really become a personal hobby of mine to be critiquing ads. But it really does come back to the advertisers who don't make it look like an ad. So, utilizing like relatable people, like using the products, them using the testimonials, it's across the board in terms of e commerce and even other industries that are going less from like the TV commercial spot polished ad types Mm -hmm. to more of an organic feeling. Like almost it's like a friend telling you about a great product, except it's an ad.
2: Hey DM listeners, did you know that you can generate leads from Instagram without using any landing pages or websites? If you're not sure what I'm talking about, Instagram actually allows businesses and influencers to set up automations to automatically capture leads through the Instagram inbox. So this means that you can generate leads for your business all using 100% automated Instagram messages. And the good news is our friends at Bot Builders can show you exactly how to do it. They're an industry leader and these guys have landed some of the biggest clients in the world. So if you want to learn how to use Instagram automation to generate leads, go check out their free training at botwebinar.com. They'll show you exactly how it works, you'll see a live demo, and also how you can start using their pre-built templates to start going after big clients yourself. Once again, that's botwebinar.com.
0: Yeah. What are some elements that are kind of retained? You know, for example, like in your, your typical infomercial VSL type ad, you know, you have like the pain points and then the benefits and then the like problem solving and all that kind of stuff. What are some things you still see elements that you probably should keep in the new ad creative?
1: Yeah, I think whatever format you use, whether it's to the copy or the creatives or explaining it on a landing page, it's always going to come back to identifying pain points. Mm-hmm. But I think where it's becoming a bit different, which is exciting, is where people are utilizing ads more to gain attention or like that initial interest, as opposed to having to go through the whole spiel of pain points and here's why we're solving that and here's our price. It's like there's this brand called Hubble, like Hubble Contacts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've been doing a ton of Instagram ads lately, and when I saw them recently, it was contacts floating in a bowl of cereal. And it was so weird. It's like, why are there contacts in a bowl of cereal? And it had like this line of like try your contacts free, tied it back into the cereal thing. I don't remember how they did. Hmm. But it was just like weird and random. But it just wasn't enough to get your attention of like, I want to see what this offer is. So I swiped up, I took their quiz. It's things like that. It's really just like finding ways to just stop people from the constant Hmm. scroll. People are so ad blind that if they can identify in a second, oh, this is an ad then they're going to swipe right by. But if you can make them just even just stop in that first second to think, wait, what is this? Like, this is something new. Or like, is this my friend posting or is this an ad? Hmm. Like, just that second of like stopping the brain to think about it is really the difference. Huh. You know,
0: that actually reminds me of, there's an ad, I, I think it was for, it might've been for Ritual, the the vitamins. I'm not. Love that head. Yeah, it's one of their ads. Just like how the ads are so much more like tactile and that it's like you almost could reach out and touch it. You could feel like whatever it is. So this this ad in particular had someone holding a big glass of milk and the milk was just pouring and overflowing. And it's like you get that sense of like feeling that feeling being right there. And, and the idea of the ad sure. is like, you're getting too much of like vitamin C. You don't need like this one much. nutrient. Yes. Yeah. This is what happens when you're not buying the right nutrients or supplements or whatever. And I don't know if that's just the trends of social. You know, you have people playing with slime and you have people like cutting up lipsticks and people painting on phone Very cases. Satisfying. Yeah. Yes. There's this like level of satisfaction and even unsatisfaction that people can't help but watch and be attracted to. And I feel like I've seen so much more of that. I was wondering if that's kind of where some of the UGC, the user-generated content, like for phone cases, what does user-generated content look like?
1: This is definitely the way the industry is going. Like even thinking about like TikTok influencers and those content creators, like it's all about grabbing attention, short form comedy, all within 15 seconds. So mm-hmm. these creators are really nailing that storytelling. But for phone cases, for instance, like even if you if you just started the shot with like someone dropping the phone from like three stories and then someone at the bottom being like, oh, it's still great, you know? But it's like in that, oh, when you wow. start the ad, it's like, why is it a phone dropping like three stories? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, yeah. like it's, it's like you're starting the YouTube clip or something
0: mm-hmm. like it's,
1: but it's interesting to watch. You want to see what happens, like, oh, is the phone okay? And then the guy at the bottom's like, it's good. And then it's like, swipe up to find out more. But oh, wow. I'm not telling you anything about the phone case and the ad. You're just watching like this interesting thing about it that someone shot on their iPhone.
0: Yeah, and I wonder if it's kind of like this wish fulfillment thing, like these things you just want to do, like you want to destroy things. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> like First I w- like I would never do it, but man what if I could back my car over this piece of Tupperware? <laughs>
1: yep. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, it's like, wait till the end to see what happens. Yeah. Like, of course I'm going to wait to the end. Like I have nothing better to do. I'm doing whatever. I'm at work. I'm procrastinating.
0: Yeah. Reading Watching this some, long, bad, some ads. <laughs> yeah. There's this long ass opinion someone's got about something.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just about breaking up the day and, showing like that short form entertainment, but yeah, I think that's why I'm really interested in 2020 working with more like TikTok influencers mm-hmm. because they completely understand this whole concept of capturing attention quickly, making it entertaining and in such a short form. So I think that brands that can leverage utilizing those type of influencers and content creators that understand that type of medium Yeah, that they're going to be able to do really well in 2020.
0: Do you already do a lot of influencer work across other platforms?
1: Yeah, so I still utilize influencers for like Instagram advertising, and I think by utilizing like micro influencers, so those with maybe like less than 10,000 followers, but then again are also great content creators and Mm -hmm. know how to talk to the camera and stylize products, sending them free products and to get ad content from that has been a strategy that I've always loved utilizing. Same with YouTube influencers, because those girls on YouTube, like they know how to, how to sell product, how to talk to the camera, and also how to make it look really natural mm. and not forced. Like their personality is shining through these videos. And if you can collaborate with them where they can leverage their existing audience who loves and trusts them while talking about a product in an authentic way, it's just a winning combination.
0: What's the process for finding those influencers? So kind of shifting the topic now for people listening that do want to leverage those, like micro influencers, if they have under 10K, how do you know that the people watching are going to be, you know, buying or influenced or whatever? How do you find those people?
1: So a lot of it just comes down to searching hashtags and relevant users based off of people who follow like certain users. So it's a lot mm. of it's still manual work like within those platforms. Same thing goes for YouTube. So if I'm looking at like makeup tutorials, maybe I'll see some of the suggestion videos or inside the search, and I can do research that way. So it's still very manual on that side. But in terms of how do I evaluate whether their audience is going to buy, I'm really not coming from it from that lens. Like Mm. I don't necessarily care about their audience that they're posting to. In fact, some of the times, especially if I'm working with Instagram influencers, I don't even care if they post it on their feed or at stories at all. Like I just want them to send me the video of them talking about the products. It has nothing to do with them Mm. actually posting it to their audience. I'm just trying to leverage them almost like a model for a TV ad, you know? Yeah. Same for the YouTube stuff. Like I don't care if they actually post on their channel. I just know that they are really natural in front of the camera. And like I worked with a beauty brand and so we would use a lot of YouTube influencers if they can apply the product well and talk about it in an authentic way. Like That's what I really care about. Whether they want to post it to their audience or not, that's kind of an afterthought.
0: That's such a different perspective <laughs> that I've actually not even heard about or thought of that it's it's basically just like, Testimonials from people that you can trust to say natural yeah. things, enjoy doing it, and want to do it. That's exactly, exactly. That's evil genius <laughs> or benevolent genius. You're giving them free stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and the benefit for them is, and the brand is like, I don't have to pay like hundreds or even thousands of dollars for them to post on their feed. Like, they're mm-hmm. very protective about not coming off salesy to their audience. But if you're just saying like, hey, like if you can film it, like we would love to for you to try our product. If you can film like some 15 second videos of you like unboxing the product, for instance, unboxing videos, something that are really doing well right now for my clients. Mm-hmm. So just showing someone, open the package, like look at the product, like initial reactions. And I'm like, don't, you don't have to post it on your Instagram or anything. Like we would just love to run it as an ad. Through our channels, and we can cut up. If we get like, let's just say, five different people doing that, we can cut together the different unboxing experiences so that when someone sees it as an ad, they can know exactly what it's going to be like when they end up purchasing. Because now they can see, oh, here's five real people unboxing the product and their reaction to it.
0: Makes me think of like Christmas morning, like home videos. Yes. (laughs) Of kids opening their presents, it's just on a bigger scale or a smaller scale. I don't know which one that would be. depends on the reaction. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not Nintendo kid or whatever. The kid who's like, no, 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 64. I don't know if you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's micro influencers. Do you ever find it worth it to work with kind of bigger influencers that you do pay for like posts and sponsored posts?
1: Yes and no. So it's going to depend on the brand. So some of the brands I work with, like I work with a lot of small entrepreneurs where it never is going to make sense to pay someone thousands of dollars to post. Mm-hmm. Because utilizing that, we could spend $5,000 on uh, Facebook ads, for instance, and reach way more people for that budget. And if we have good creatives, and that makes the most sense. Also, going back to the point of like evaluating their audience, is their audience actually con- going to convert? That's always hard to know. However, something I have seen a lot of success with, that I've seen a lot of bigger brands do as of late, is they'll actually run ads through the influencer's page. Hmm. So not only are they posting like the influencer on their organic feed, but we're actually getting their page access to run ads as that influencer, which just increases the reach by tenfold.
0: Totally. So that's been an
1: interesting strategy.
0: Yeah. So I guess they're just using, I mean, they're using that audience, but then they're able to get a whole new segment of people
1: yes that they wouldn't and, have even touched before yeah because we can let's just say if we're using kylie jenner her page which i doubt she would ever give page access but just <laughs> a good example so what we would do is she would post to her followers we could see what reach that gets but then we can also run that ad through her page of people who have been to our website lately people who are on our email list These segments of people who might not necessarily follow that influencer, however, we want to serve them an ad through that influencer's page. So that's been a really great strategy that we've been leveraging. But again, it's on the more expensive side and influencers can be hit or miss on whether they're going to let you have page access. Mm -hmm. Usually the best people to get page access for are people that are trying to grow their own followers. So something that we can say as a brand is... Not only are is your content now reaching your own followers, but we're going to put ten thousand dollars of ad spend behind you, running oh through your
0: gosh. page. Oh my gosh! Yeah,
1: yes. and that's like, huge. Oh great, we can get so many new followers to your page because you're reaching people who have never heard of you before. Yeah, something also that we've been using, which I think is one of my favorite tactic as of late, is reaching out to brands like most high value customers, so those who have repeat purchase a ton, like post about them on social, just like true brand evangelists and reaching out to them and saying, Hey, like we, we saw that you purchased from us recently and that you love our products. We would love to feature you in an ad and say like, Oh, here's, here's some value props. Like give them maybe a little script that they can go off of and say, would you mind recording a video of yourself talking about the products and why you love it? And these are people who are already brand evangelists and Mm. they've always been so excited when we ask them to be an ad and the content to be very authentic and organic because they love your product. We're not just sending our products to a random influencer who has never heard of us. Right. So that's been a good strategy as well. Do you find that's
0: easier (laughs) when you are working like with makeup and beauty and things like that? Because like maybe a young, a younger female audience or or do you feel like it doesn't matter the demographic? They'll, they're all kind of willing?
1: It depends. I would say like young female brands, like those are the people who are, are usually most comfortable in front of a camera. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're selling like guys watches, I don't know if like, I'm just picturing like my husband or, like any of his <laughs> friends. Like, I can't picture them doing this. Yeah. But <laughs> you know, my, so I, th- I think it does skew that way for sure.
0: Yeah, I think, my boyfriend would be like, "This is my nightmare." <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I always ask my husband because I have brands semi products all the time to like do UGC stuff, and I'm always like, "Oh, like, do you want to test it out?" When it's like a male product or unisex, and he's just not about it. But I do <laughs> see brands that are using um, male UGC, so yeah. I think that there are some people out there.
0: So that just makes me wonder why Snapchat over
1: Facebook or Instagram so I've been getting so many brands reach out to me lately asking about Snapchat. And I also post a lot about Snapchat on my Twitter, of the success I've seen for some of my clients. And it really comes down to the cheaper traffic. So not only are the CPMs cheaper, but I'm also seeing comparable returns that I'm seeing on Facebook and Instagram. Mm-hmm. So it's something a lot of brands are flocking to. And just by comparison, there's only about 10,000 active advertisers on Snapchat right now compared to over wow. 5 million on Facebook. Wow. So it's just like worlds difference. And something also really interesting about Snapchat that I've seen some brands do well lately is that you can retarget your existing website traffic on Snapchat much cheaper than you can on Facebook. So for those warm and hot audiences in order to keep your brand top of mind and to just continue to show them either new products or an offer, you can get that message to them much cheaper on Snapchat than remarketing that same audience on Facebook. So just from a remarketing standpoint, I've seen Snapchat work incredibly well.
0: Yeah. What does it look like, the Snapchat funnel? What will that consist of?
1: Yeah. So the funnel for Snapchat, it's pretty similar to how you would set up like an Instagram story campaign on Facebook. So I'm still running a lot of top of the funnel story ads. So similar to as if you're going through your IG stories, you get interrupted by a story. However, something I've seen work really well that a lot of brands aren't leveraging yet is the discover portion of Snapchat. So for those of you who may not use the Snapchat platform, Snapchat has a section of their platform where it's publisher stories. So people who are posting uh, more like long form content, a lot of news publishers like Cosmo, like they'll they'll post almost like video articles on this Discover portion Mm -hmm. of Snapchat. And so what brands can do is they can actually buy a Discover tile on there and tell more longer form stories. So you can have even like a two minute video of someone like talking about the product or experiencing it or a value prop video. So it doesn't have to only be like those 15 second ad spots. And then some other really interesting ad platforms I've seen work well on Snapchat is the six second unskippable commercials. So it's almost like a YouTube preload before someone wants to watch like a Snapchat episode or one of the discover contents, they have to watch this unskippable commercial. So have been seeing mm. great results with that as well as the custom lenses. So if you want to have a custom filter with your brand on it, you can actually buy those within the Snapchat ad platform. You just upload the filter that you want and it's actually very reasonable prices, way cheaper than you would think to have your own custom filter on Snapchat that has your brand on it.
0: Do you have to have a designer make it for you or can you work with Snapchat to do that?
1: It's a bit of both. So I think it depends on how much you're spending in order to have like a Snap team make it for you. But the AI or the interface, I should say, to create a Snapchat lens is actually pretty user-friendly. And there's a lot of designers out there who are making custom lenses for brands.
0: When you're doing Snapchat ads, is your goal to drive people to your website or is the goal to drive them to like the Snapchat profile? Um, it's, the website. it's like a swipe up
1: to the website. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So I always work with e-commerce brands, but also it's great just for keeping top of mind with even your existing customers. So even if your objective isn't necessarily to get website purchases, it's just if you want your brand messaging and to increase that frequency to like those highly valuable customer segments, you can reach them pretty cheaply on Snapchat as opposed to any other social platform Mm.
0: and the long form content on the discover page that has no limit
1: I believe it has a two minute limit so it's almost like you can create like a mini episode okay but most of them run around two minutes
0: huh yeah that's pretty cool I feel like there's just so much you can
1: do with that yeah, I've seen a lot of like BuzzFeed style videos on the Discover platform. So it's like it's like kind of like we talked about earlier, like those like satisfying videos or mm-hmm. like reaction videos. But like I BuzzFeed style is really the best way I can describe it.
0: Yeah, kind of like alternate YouTube, like tiny YouTube.
1: <laughs> yes, that's exactly what they want to be. Like they they want to have like these mini episodes on there. So even like the publisher content that I see, like there's like crazy plastic surgery stories or whatever, you know, like, it's, oh,
0: I'd watch that in a heartbeat.
1: <laughs> oh, for sure. And everyone does. So it's like the discover portion of Snapchat of people watching these mini episodes. It's really growing in its user base. So being able to buy one of those like episode spaces, is mm-hmm. essentially what it is. It's really not that much more expensive than just buying a regular Facebook ad. Yeah. And it sounds like it's such a blue ocean. Yes, 100%. And it's really just the tip of the iceberg of people who are taking advantage of this platform. You know, I found that really interesting stat: over 90% of people 13 and 25 in the US are active on Snapchat. Holy crap. I'm like 90% of 13 and 25 year olds. I'm like, that blew my mind. That's
0: wild. Yeah, that's huge. What about, you know, so now we have TikTok. And I, I know you mentioned that briefly. Are you introducing similar strategies onto TikTok? Only 15 seconds long?
1: <laughs> yeah. So it's still the short form content and the best advertisers on TikTok are utilizing TikTok influencers to create content for them. So it mm-hmm. feels super native to the platform. Doesn't feel like an ad. So similar strategies, but with TikTok, there's still a lot of nuances of advertising with them. Still very closed beta, so you can't just like you do on Facebook or Snapchat sign up for an ad account and start advertising. They're they're not quite there yet, right. and the conversion tracking is still pretty iffy. So I would say for most brands who are thinking about TikTok, wait a couple months because there's some bugs and nuances that they're kind of working on on their back end. But I would say in the, in the latter half of 2020, I can imagine it's going to be a big part of people's advertising spend. Yeah,
0: that makes sense. Yeah, we have a lot of people who are very excited about it, and a lot of people are really scared. So, yeah, scared. (laughs) Give it some time. And what ways are they scared about it? Uh, just like, do I need to be on here? Am I am I missing out if I'm not on here? Or, like, what if I do it wrong? And yeah, it's it's a definitely a different bees. I'd I'd be scared of even posting as myself.
1: (laughs) Oh, same. I think I I posted one video and it got like two views, and then like (laughs) I'm done with this platform.
0: Yeah. So we're kind of getting to the end of the hour and before I ask the last question that I ask every first time guest, where can people find out more about you? Where can they contact you? Give me all that stuff.
1: For sure. So I'm very active on Twitter. That's where I post all of my digital marketing tips and tricks. So my Twitter username is social underscore Savannah. So social underscore Savannah. And then my website is the Savannah.com.
0: Cool. Do you do a lot of Twitter, like advertising and
1: stuff? I've never done a Twitter ad, but I, <laughs> that's where I advertise pretty much my own services. So showing people my client work and stuff like that, but
0: yeah, that's never been a Twitter ad. Yeah. Our social media manager, Shannon, is like Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a love-hate relationship. Um <laughs> Yeah. And before we hop off, the last question I ask every guest is if you could go back in time and tell your 25-year-old self or just young self whenever you first got this marketing journey started, what would you say? Well, I'm
1: 24. So hopefully (laughs) 25-year-old self. um, Advice in the future. No. But when I first started, I would say my best advice is just to keep absorbing content which if you're listening to this podcast you're you're already there so listening to experts diving in trying it for yourself never just being afraid to fail Mm -hmm. with digital marketing there's a million ways to skin a cat as they say so you don't have to worry about getting the perfect strategy or getting it right all the time just try a bunch of things and be willing to fail and you'll find what works and what doesn't
0: yeah I think that's really awesome advice thanks yeah well Savannah thank you so much for joining us today thank you so much for having me it was an absolute pleasure yeah and for everyone out there and everyone listening thank you as always for joining us it means so much to have a little bit of your day each week and we'll see you same time same place next week bye goodbye